Welcome to another episode of Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show. The reason why you haven't heard the intro music yet is that we finally have a sponsor. It's Holman Cadillac in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Get 0% financing on all new Cadillac ATS, ATS Coupe, CTS, SRX, XTS, and Escalade models through August 31st. Cadillac is a luxury car, and Holman Cadillac in Mount Laurel, New Jersey is a luxury car experience. Call 866-865-6973 or go to holmancadillac.com. Now, here's the show. I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say. You've got to open your heart. Well, number one, he's one of the elite offensive players in the game. What is leadership like in today's football world? Well, we are here in Lincoln Financial Field, the bowels. Is it the bowels? Are we're we, not at the bottom. Are we in the bowels? Uh, we're what, in is, a, what is the upper version of the bowels? <laughs> the uh, large intestine, maybe? I don't know. We are Mike, Mike Sielski, uh, Philadelphia Inquirer columnist, and David Murphy, Daily News columnist. You know us if you're listening to this podcast. We are in Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday evening. The Eagles fresh off a 33? 29? 29 29-10 29-10 victory over your Cleveland Browns um, Carson Wentz obviously the story of today let's run through his performance Sam Donnellan Daily News columnist will be joining us at as, some point as will Marcus Hayes Daily News columnist as will we need to get some Inquirer guys on here they uh, th- those guys they blow out of here as quick as they can I know they're uh they're divas except for you Michael um, I try to keep it you know well, here's on the level of the common man. Here, here's what everybody wants to know. W- what did you think of the kid? I thought the kid was really good. Um, I was impressed with his poise. I was impressed with several of the throws he made. The touchdown to Aguilar. I mean, gosh, that was like, you know, throwing a, a quarter into a soda machine from 35 yards away. Uh, a, a terrific throw. Um, I, I do think, and I, I wrote this just in a just-finished column that will be online on philly.com soon, I do think we have to temper our enthusiasm. I understand that he played very, very well uh, and doesn't have a whole lot of experience, and so the natural impulse is going to be to extrapolate, hey, if he plays this good in his debut, he'll play even better as we go down the road. I mean, Jason Peters, one of the striking things to me was how little – perspective for lack of a better word there was coming out of the Eagles own locker room like Jason Peters flat out said he throws like Aaron Rodgers on the run Mm -hmm. Um, Brent Selleck Doug Peterson you know every single person you talk to with maybe the exception of Malcolm Malcolm Jenkins was effusive in praise for Carson Wentz and I think it's worth noting that across the sideline was a quarterback who had an even better debut in 2012 uh, than Carson Wentz did. Go back and look at what Robert Griffin III did um, against the Saints on opening day in 2012. 320 yards, 19 of 26, two touchdowns in a game against a team that was 13-3 and the year before. And my only point in bringing that up is to say that as good as Wentz was today, it's just one game. Let's see what happens, and let's remember that this kid is still a rookie. Yeah, I guess the argument to that would be it's the process thing. Right. And I think what we saw out of Carson Wentz today, and frankly what we've seen ever since he's been at North Dakota State, if you want to go back that far, 
is a guy who can make when they say a quarterback can make all the throws you saw that today and we focus a lot on the deep ball but the deep ball is not what makes a quarterback that's not throwing downfield anyone can throw a deep ball do you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i mean it was a beautiful pass he threw the aguilar but the throws that stood out to me there was a an 11 yard comeback route to To aguilar aguilar on the far sideline Mm -hmm. a bullet got there it puts so much pressure on a defense when you can make that throw to that area of the field from that area of the pocket, mm-hmm. as Wentz did. There was a 22-yard pass to Jordan Matthews in the middle of the field between two defenders. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really between yes. two defenders, but there were two defenders in the vicinity, and it was just a strike. It was a bullet. Those are the Aaron Rodgers throws, the you know Cam Newton throws, as big of a detractor of, of him as I am, <laughs> the Andrew Luck throws, the, the, the seam passes, the passes that are in that second to third level of the defense. And I see Marcus Hayes nodding. He has joined. He has materialized. But well, there's the, a reason you see him. He's now sitting next to us. He has materialized from the ether, and <laughs> he is like the mist. What do you, What did you think? To your point, Dave. I mean, it's a it's a revelation to see a guy in his first game look this polished, and you know, RG three and Colin Kaepernick and uh, Russell Wilson. They didn't look like this in their rookie year at any point with the combination of footwork and reads and audibles and making all the throws, but not just getting the ball there, getting the ball there with the correct pace at the right spot. We watched Donovan McNabb play for more than a decade, and he still couldn't do it. He didn't have that knack. And the the X factor with Carson is, you know, it's fourth and four. He needs four or five yards. He expects to make the play because he's playing football. He's not quarterbacking a franchise. Mm-hmm. He's playing football. He's having a good time. You know, he's he's a natural, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him play for a lot of years, I think we all hope. Yeah, I mean, the thing that – the word that several people use, Doug Peterson, Jordan Matthews, Brent Selleck, I believe Mike Sealski was there, Brent Selleck talked about that, and, and it's a play I wrote about to lead my column that, that will appear in the Daily News on Monday. It might be up on Philly.com now for all we know. Um, there was a low snap. Mm-hmm. Didn't even get off the ground. And Carson Wentz is kind of still dropping back next to the ball as it's bouncing next to him. And I I, I kept thinking of Mark Sanchez during the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? How would Mark Sanchez react in this situation? Right. Because to me, Mark Sanchez is the the epitome of a guy who never looks like he's playing at right. the pace of the game. He right. always looks like he's playing faster than the game. Yeah, he look he's he's a guy who looks like he's he swallowed like seventeen yeah. dispensers worth of Pez before he went out and right. played. He just he looked like he was in a sugar rush the whole time. Right. Uh, you know, and he gets some the butt fumble. There's probably too much made about it, but it is kind of a symptom of the way Mark Sanchez plays. Right. Where he sees a ball bouncing on his feet, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. You know, or a broken play, and it's just right. you know. And, you know, most quarterbacks have two reactions when they see that. They either throw themselves on the ball and curl into the fetal position or do something that compounds the Sanchez. They do something that compounds the mistake mm-hmm. and, you know, boot it down the field, garrow your premium in it. Um, and Wentz just calmly picks it up off one bounce, turns, throws, probably an ill-advised pass. But <laughs> the fact is he, he had the – and it's not even presence of mind. Like, it's just kind of a – and it's why it's so hard to find in guys because you can't teach it, you can't develop it. 
you know, it's not intelligence. It's not. It's just kind of a reaction, a mixture of awareness, reactivity, and just po- again poise. Yeah. And you know, you see it a little bit in Dak Prescott. I think that's why people are impressed with Dak Prescott because he looks confident. You know, he 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 plays slow, and I think more than anything, that's what I saw out of Carson Wentz. Like he never looked like he was moving at warp speed. Does that make sense? Absolutely. The play. And McNabb question, had it too. Yeah, he did. He he really and he looked as if the game came to him. Yeah. And that's how Carson looks. And the play that you're talking about, we're used to seeing relatively inferior athletes play quarterback, inferior to their cornerbacks or their defensive ends or wide receivers or running backs. Carson Wentz is a superior athlete who spent time playing multiple sports. He was not a he's not a robo QB. He's got great quarterback skills, but he's not a robo QB, and he's playing a game. And as you said, it comes to him naturally to play the game, whereas a lot of these guys we see now are they're almost manufactured quarterbacks. They, Aaron Rodgers is a great example of a guy who isn't. Tom Brady is a great example of a guy who's overcome it. You know, he he's become a much more natural passer over the last you know seven or eight years of his career and it's fun to watch it's just you know watching a guy do what Carson did out there in a debut and you know we all understand there are going to be bad days for Carson because there's bad days for Tom Brady and Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers but knowing that there is if this is the baseline imagine what the ceiling is because the play you're talking about Dave he picks the ball up and at North Dakota State, playing Weber State, where he was a year ago, he has a chance to make complete that pass yeah. to the sideline. Whereas this time, if a better cornerback is paying attention, he probably gets that pass picked off because he threw it flat-footed and he threw it with his arm. However, I don't know that we'll ever see him do that again because he's also one of the smarter quarterbacks I've ever been around. Yeah, the the the, the fourth down play was interesting to me too because of. Just the nature of it. I mean, the the, the Browns said an fourth, all-out blitz. This is fourth and four in the third quarter. The third quarter. Which, the, not to interrupt, but no. to me, I thought that was, of anything to get excited about, about Doug Peterson, the fact that, that they he went, went for, for it. it. Yeah. And, and he said after the game, someone asked, why'd you go for it there? He said, when you look at the math, and it's true. Yeah. And, and we've people scream about this all the time. Why would you punt the ball there? You might as well. And, he, and he, I just really enjoyed the rationale. He mm-hmm. essentially said, look, the odds say go for it there because – you know, Whatever we were going to gain out of punting exactly. the ball, it, it was was so minimal well, that we might as well go so for it. I'll say this. I'll say this. They were also playing the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns. Browns. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, everything factors into it. Yeah. But go. go but ahead, that, I mean, that's it. But that that so anyway, that play this was the third quarter. Yeah. Quarter that four. that play to me was very emblematic of the things that Marcus is talking about. Which it's it's an anticipatory throw. It's a hot read. It's a team is sending an all out blitz after you. You know, is is your guy who you've got? Is your hot read open? And where is he open? And is he going to be open? I mean, it wasn't like Ertz was standing still. I mean, that was a basically a, a tight end on a slant wrap with a cornerback or a linebacker, I, I forget which, right on top of him. And Ertz hits him between the numbers for five yards, and then boom, the next play is to Aguilar for the thirty-five yard touchdown. Uh, that's an awful lot of confidence for a rookie head coach to show in a rookie quarterback, and it's just the way the play played out was impressive it wasn't like there was a breakdown you know right, a guy yeah. fell down or something like that it was, it was executed it was executed yeah. the Browns did everything they could have done 
and the and the Eagles because of Wentz one up them. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. That play was the middle sequence of the bad snap safety. Then they, you know, they free kicked away. That kept the ensuing drive alive. And so you had a yeah. effectively a nine point swing. Right. When the key plays were a bad snap safety, a fourth and yep. four, mm-hmm. and a thirty-five yard touchdown, and after that, I think we all put our heads down and started writing because yeah. they're the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and that's yeah, and, and to speak just to echo your point, the Browns. Let's talk about how bad the Browns are because they're one of the worst teams. They might be the worst team since that Colts team without Peyton Manning that yeah. got Andrew Luck. They're they're just a really 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 bad team, uh, and for a a couple of quarters made the Eagles defense look a little shaky yeah let's be honest I mean when you look at this defensive backfield you can talk about they look like they've been upgraded we don't know until four or five games into the season whether they've been upgraded whether the same or whether they're worse Mm because all of those are possibilities and they need to play an actual real team before we know where they stand. Yeah, that's kind of the double-edged sword with with our evaluations of Wentz in this game, as as good as he was. And and, and I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, the flip side, of course, is if he had a bad game against this particular team, um, you know, a widespread, pan- a citywide panic would, would be setting over Philadelphia right now. Because, well, if he can't play, if he can't beat this team, what does that mean? Who, have, you know, who is this kid the Eagles have hitched their wagon to? That's an interesting way to look at it. I, I don't know that he wasn't playing with house money in this game in particular because he had, what, 38 snaps in the preseason right. and one game and all of his you know, reps or practice reps, and he came from North Dakota State, and he only had 23 starts there. Yeah. So I don't know that he doesn't play with house money for at least part of this season. And I think the tenor, we talked about this in the in previous podcasts, I think the tenor of the town is, hey, everybody's rebuilding. Let's see where it goes. I mean, think about it. How much, how much anticipation has there been for Carson Wentz over the last two weeks, 10 days or whatever, compared with the anticipation you've seen with other guys with real lead-in times? You mm-hmm. know, Lindros making his debut, Iverson making his debut, you know, um, uh, I guess Ryan Howard didn't have a debut and Chase Utley didn't really have a debut. But, you know, there, there seems to be a lot of momentum behind this kid and, and, and a lot of forgiveness behind that momentum, you know, because people want to see this guy. They want to see him do well because they've bought into the whole rebuilding across the board. Yeah, I, 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 I would question on whether that momentum has a – shorter shelf as a shorter half-life because it's the Eagles compared yeah. to the other teams that's that's a good point yeah it's football where right. you can you can get good pretty quickly if you have lines all right well let's un- let's run down the numbers real quick just so we don't but I'm not sure what kind of knowledge people are working from here and I don't think we've actually set a stat line so 22 of 37 for 278 two touchdowns no interceptions a 101 rating for uh, those of you who care about quarterback rating Jordan Matthews, seven catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Ertz, six catches, 58 yards, uh, none bigger than – well, there were two big ones. That one-handed back shoulder fade that Wentz threw. Which was Wentz's first completion of his I, career, correct? I, I believe so. And it was interesting because in that first half – it was the second – put it this way. It was the third quarter and the fourth quarter that sold me on Wentz. You know, in that first half, 
I thought Peterson did a very good job of making sure he didn't throw too much at once. I feel like most of his throws were outside the numbers and single coverage, kind of or kind of paint by yeah. paint by numbers throws. There was that back shoulder fade to Matthews in the end. I mean, great throws, but not a lot, not a lot of uh, margin for error. I'm being gestured no, to introduce but, Sam Danellen, no, who that's, is that's a great has point, joined us and replaced Mike uh, Sielski. Uh, that's gonna get that's gonna get lost a little, I think, in in the euphoria. Is what a nice game the head coach called yeah. today. And in, in terms of giving, you know, you always hear big. Uh, Ken Hitchcock used to call it little bites, but you know, giving them a bigger bite. The bites got a little bit bigger as the momentum and as they controlled the ball. I mean, of all the numbers there, my favorite number, you know, after Chip Kelly is 39 minutes and 20 seconds, and it was at 1.18, I think. The time of possession. Know, it was ridiculous. I mean, and they, you know, uh, Zach Ertz said afterwards, it felt like we were out there the entire game, and I'm sure for Cleveland's defense, <laughs> it felt like they were out there the entire game. It used to be with uh, Chip Kelly, the offensive thought that they were out there the entire game in the first half. <laughs> look, at, look at all these notes I could take between plays. I mean, this is yes, I, yeah. you know, I was in my glory. Like, yeah, people, people don't realize how much actual. Uh, <laughs> Describing we do during the game, which was, I remember being in Washington, and, and you know it was Michael Vick who started that game and Chip Kelly's debut as a coach. After I don't know maybe four plays, the entire press row just said, "Hey, you know what? We can't take notes anymore. It's mm-hmm. over." It was, and it wasn't a happy, it wasn't a happy transition because we love taking notes. We think they're very important. Mm-hmm. He could take him when, the, when, when his defense was on the field, but even then you had to write quick because right. they weren't out there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, 73 plays the Eagles ran today. Jeff yeah. Kelly would enjoy that point, number. You know, they, 34 point, carries for 133 yards, 22 was, carries by Ryan Matthews. When it was 18 minutes to uh, 16 minutes, or, or not more, 18 minutes to like 11 minutes, it, it, it was, uh, at halftime or right around halftime, it was only eight more plays. Right. So to the point that Chip would always say, I'm only interested in number of plays, they really weren't running number of plays. They were just wearing these guys out with you know, the length of you know, stretching, running those, those sweeps. They weren't doing a lot up the middle. I mean, how many times does a team win 29 to 10 without really having a great up the middle ground game? Well, this, and this Doug team, Peterson said that was by design. Yeah, this team's a strength on the edges when well, it comes sure. to. But you they still have two keep good them tackles. Honest, right? You got to play. I guess you do it unless I mean, they, they had make a bunch it. of first, first and 10 one yard yeah. runs, but they kept going back to. And they them. came, but they came back up the middle in the third and fourth quarter, especially that last drive. And there are a lot of promising. Uh, again, we understand it's Cleveland, but. Just doing the right things. As, as big a debut as this was for Carson Wentz, there's always a much larger growth area for a player than a coach. Usually, a coach kind of is who he is the first time he <laughs> straps that headset on. And I'll tell you what, this guy looked a lot better than Andy Reid did in his Good. debut. Yeah. I Part of me wished I was writing about Doug Peterson by the end of the game because as Sam Donnellan raises his hand, <laughs> he, he made the uh, the appropriate call. I, I mean, I enjoyed writing about Carson Wentz as well, but I thought for all we're going to talk about Carson Wentz, it's going to get lost, that Doug Peterson had a hell of a first game. I mean, they looked crisp. They right. looked – they executed. They did not waste any timeouts. And – You know, it, it looked and, very seamless. Very seamless. And the way he called it 
didn't give the any the other guys any breath for the typical NFL second half comeback. If you remember Chip's debut, it was explosive in the mm-hmm. first half. It was twenty six seven, I think, at one point. But he d- only knew how to do it the it, one and it way. Was, it was all down there, downhill for the next two seasons, and. 15 and a half games. <laughs> but, but it all got down to that. He had a hard time milking clock. He, he had did. a hard time. Well, and, and you know, it, I think it spoiled him as well because when it worked for that one half, I think he believed, okay, this is going to work for every half for the rest of there my career. There was an arrogance to his game. I do. B- because I, execution right. always trumps talent, and it never, ever does in the NFL. You can't win with ta- – guys, you can't win with inferior talent. You can win with inferior execution. You can't win – with inferior talent. Yeah, th- uh, that to me is going to be an interesting part. I, I agree with what you said, Murph, that you know Peterson in, in some ways was even the more interesting case study today. And you know, go back to Andy Reid's first game. The Eagles take a 24-0 lead on the Cardinals, I think, and they end up losing 25-24 mm-hmm. in a right. game very right. similar. Well, Peterson is a quarterback. You know, and, right. and what I'm curious about Peterson moving forward is, you know, as Sam said, he stuck with the run today, like, and he and he was able to get the ball. You know, Matthews had what 21, 22 carries. Barner was very <laughs> productive. You know, four carries for forty some yards. They got the ball to Sproles. Uh, and I think it was thirty nine, thirty seven, wasn't it? Something like Play that. Play call. Yeah, and you know, that was not Andy Reid for the most part. He'd go back to that if you know they had a game where things got completely out of whack and he called fifty passes and ten runs. But Doug was balanced from the jump today. It wasn't like, and now maybe that's a function of I'm starting a rookie quarterback sure. and I'm going to maintain no balance for the moment. And who knows? Maybe six weeks from now we'll be saying, well, oh, he's I, out of whack. He's Andy Jr. I do whatever. think he's more patient. Like, you know, the whole thing about a run game is you're not always going to get five yards. Right. But it be, it's a punch in the ribs, you know, to, to use a boxing analogy. Mm-hmm. You're hitting somebody in the ribs over and over again. And guess what? The, the, uh, the thing comes down and then you get them in the head. 37 catches. Right. Isn't that right? Passes. 34. Yeah. 37 passes. 34 rushing attempts. Is that what it was? 30? Yeah. Ryan Matthews, I don't know the last time he had 22. He carries. actually, I looked it up. He had 24 carries in week three last year against oh, wow. the Jets when they beat the Jets. So, anyway, the Browns, again, because this team. Has has a chance to be one of the all time bad teams in the NFL. So let's not. Last year, especially when, if they lose RG three. La, last year, when they were actually trying, they allowed seven point four <laughs> net yards per passing attempt, which ranked thirty first in the NFL. Only five teams sacked the quarterback with less frequency than the Browns last year. They allowed an average of two hundred fifty one passing yards a game, and they allowed touchdowns on 6.7% of their pass attempts, both of which ranked in the bottom third of the league. They have no pass rush. Uh, I mean, they they did some blitzing today, and I think the one— That's scary if they have no pass rush because they hit them enough times. Yeah, I mean, it, w- it was an interesting game because for a while there, you could have seen it going the other way. I mean, the, you know, in that first half, they did some things that confused once. They zone blitzed once when he got mm-hmm. sacked, and he just had— th- That is the one thing that's going to be interesting to watch his development. He has all the tools, the physical tools. He can make the throws, and he's got that— I called it, an, I called it a—I uh, think in my column I called it an obliviousness— uh, you know, you have to kind of – you can't look at what's going on around you in the foreground. You have to be aware of it, but you can't look at it. You can't right. You can't divide – and that was always the rap on Sam Bradford in, in uh, St. Louis was that he kept one eye on the – On the rush. On the rush and one eye downfield. Wentz doesn't have that problem. I don't know if it's like – he's got that, like, uh, stupid obliviousness. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? That, right. like, young, right. I don't ca- – you know, I don't care what a, a helmet in my ribs can do to me type of 
right. gumption, for but lack of a better word. There's a badness to that. Like he took, he, he threw a short out to the left. Uh, I don't forget when it was, second or third quarter, and he knew he was going to get right. hit, and he knew the gain there was going to be about four yards, unless the guy right. broke two tackles. I mean. I'm hoping by the time he gets somewhere in the middle of his career, he says that one's not worth. Yeah, it. so they were, and so they were, and and there are some numbers that point to his rawness and what he needs to do to see the field a little better. He doesn't feel the pocket real well. The batted passes. I mean, this guy's six foot six. Mm. That that's a complete function of him not sliding into the passing windows. And and frankly, we're telegraphing it too. Carl Nassib was was right when he said this week that he does have a bit of a long. His his mechanics can get long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's very right now. He's very stationary in the pocket and he can, he can be because he has that arm strength, but, but, but what was good about him. And again, it's just one game and it's the Browns. I feel like we should have like an asterisk before right. <laughs> everything we say. But, um, the one thing that to me was impressive about him was that he didn't, not that I can remember, please point it out if there was one, like he didn't miss a throw where the guy was wide open right. and he should have made it. Like I was talking with Ike Reese about this at halftime. Like there were no worm burners maybe there it was, was one maybe worm. there was one you remember I the one to um I, I th- and i was mad at him Huff, I, thought yeah. was, okay. I thought there was one to aguilar too where i, I didn't think aguilar made much of an effort well, but you can was, never tell with aguilar he, he was just standing there <laughs> and it was short on him and you know whether it's a lack of receiving yeah uh, I, I guess my, my point would be his footwork you know which is where things like that start mm-hmm. that was always kind of a work in progress for donovan sometimes like go back to the super bowl the touchdown pass to Greg Lewis, like everything is perfect right. on that throw. But he was not always perfect like that, and it was a struggle for him. Wentz looked right. farther advanced in that regard well, to I would, me than Donovan did at that point in his career. And it's funny about strong arms and such. He threw one flat-footed. We all, you and I marveled at that, and he, and he zipped it. I mean, he was his feet were so off. I still don't know where he got the oomph to, and he, I think it was to Matthews, in the middle of the field, and, and he had to put it right there because there were bodies – all around, and he did it without his footwork being particularly good on that. Yeah, I mean, when you watch the first, when I, I remember watching his throws back in January, just like to find out who this kid was, and that was like the thing that jumped out at you was, and it's why Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton are kind of the two guys that I use when I, I talk about him. Again, not to say he's that level, but he's his play is indicative of that. He he makes throws from all different angles, and he throws them on the money because of that arm strength you know mm-hmm. like it's all upper body and i think with mcnab he just didn't have the arm strength to overcome to compensate when he when he his body was going in I a don't different know. he had a pretty he, i mean a str- but, but, a pretty strong arm. but we're talking about otherworldly strong in terms well, of when the thing about mcnab was he he had a very very strong arm but his mechanics were so poor yeah. that he wasn't he was kind of like nuke lelouch he didn't quite yeah. know where it was going all the time i have no idea nuke lelouch was the durham. pitcher in Burl durham oh. he was kind of uh he was so erratic that it was almost a detriment the arm strength sometimes and as he aged and he became a little bit beat up in his arm strength depleted he didn't realize it and you look at a guy like tom brady who's 100 years old and has thrown a million passes and has no knee his mechanics are so incredibly smooth and his pocket presence that like dave was talking about is so incredibly good he knows how to avoid contact and where to put the ball and how to use his body to put it there correctly but it's a better it's a better comparison with cam and aaron Rodgers, who are both wonderful out of the pocket they they are designed to throw out of the pocket mm-hmm. and are are you know bigger stronger guys or I should say they are more athletic guys than than Tom Brady and I think that will serve him well 
as we go through this because it's really hard to find offensive linemen who can create a pocket and hold it up yeah. for the way that we used to see Troy Aikman perform. So uh, your quarterback has to be willing and able to do things on the run. And he is, and, and those are the those are the three guys. You know, those are the two guys you you hope he models himself after because, you know, they do things that other guys just can't. The uh, so so yeah. If we're I mean, if we're looking for again, I'm just looking to poke holes in this. Yeah. In this. They there, were five. There are so some dark clouds I'm, in these silver linings. My I mean my again. This is before watching a replay of it, not knowing the actual calls, but it, it certainly seemed to me that. The vast majority of his throws were the were, were his first read. Um, you know, a lot of them were designed to give him, have him know what he's looking at, and make the throw. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's there, do it. If not, but, and again, I think that's where Doug Peterson pitched a heck of a game. But I think like third down to me is a big indicator of quarterbacks. And the Eagles were only five of fifteen on on third down because at that point you can't really. You know, you heard Doug Peterson say, "I script first and second down plays," but the third down plays are completely situationally dependent, yeah. and you know, they're obvious run or pass plays. So the defense right. knows what's coming at you. And you know, there were moments when when things when the wrong call was in, or, or when things broke right. down, like that's when you saw the rookie, and he would just. Right. There was that one where he just kind of like stopped yeah. <laughs> and like collapsed but you know and i pointed this out to you there was a timeout where it looked like a rookie timeout and he we dave and i were sitting next to each other for most of the game and dave dave tries to pretend he can't hear me because he puts his headphones in but every now and then i get his attention but <laughs> uh, but but i i i said oh they called the timeout and they went to the sideline and went stayed about we're watching, we're watching, meanwhile, we're watching the uh, lines just We're watching Colts. Matthew Stafford and Andrew Luck, two guys who, you know, you hope that uh, Wentz is a contemporary of yeah. one day. So Wentz yeah. – And those guys are the two perfect examples of guys I talk about when I talk about making those scene throws. Right. You know, Rodgers, the other one. Like, they just make it, – it puts so much more pressure. And I don't know if Brad – I don't know if Bradford could make those throws, yeah. you know? I mean, he has a Wentz strong enough arm. Can. Wentz also has the yeah. want – he also has the want. And, I, you know, one of the things that jumped out at me – Doug Peterson in his press conference used the word aggressive multiple times and he said it throughout the week we don't want to take Carson's aggressiveness away from him he wants us you know I think Doug Peterson has kind of been waiting for his moment to put his spin on the Andy Reid offense well we've we've talked about this that if you I think it was you who mentioned it on a previous podcast if if you shot him up if you shot Doug up with sodium pentothal would he (laughs) say I want Alex Smith who is competent game manager accurate short thrower you know, can run a little bit, or, or do you want bopper. the swashbuckler yeah, yeah. Who, who Wentz clearly seems to be? And well, if you he wants far. If you yeah. want, yeah. if you look at the That's profiles right. of coaches, guys who want the game in quarterbacks' hands have been quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Chip Kelly wanted, uh, you know, he wanted Marcus Mariota to be his quarterback. He's a quarterback lover. Chip Kelly was a quarterback. Doug Peterson was a quarterback. He believes that the quarterback is the be-all and end-all of a football team, not mm-hmm. just the offense and defense, but the team. And I think Andy Reid wanted to believe that, and I think that uh, you know other other coaches want <laughs> to believe that. They give it lip service and they right. vote on the competition committee to protect those guys. But the reality is quarterbacks 
love quarterbacks. Especially when they're like there's the potential. It's not just him, but Frank. You hear it in Frank Reich's voice. Yes. Oh, and, oh and just before you get uh, – Chip Kelly was a wannabe quarterback. They made him a defensive back when he went to UNH. That was his right. whole mm. issue why he almost went to a D2 school because he could have played does, quarterback. I mean, does Frank Reich have any – Daughters, because he was, I mean, the other day he was like, you Adopting know, them, right? Yeah. <laughs> Carson Wentz, my future son-in-law here. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it was really, he but ran out of words at one point. Just, just to finish that timeout thing, when they went to the sidelines, Wentz didn't end up being the person talking to Peterson. It was right. the two receivers. It was Huff and Aguilar who were confused. And then they, that was the, next, the following play after the timeout was the two tip. Aguilar caught it off of Huff's right. hands. So whatever they discussed, they didn't really get. Because <laughs> well, you know, outside of Wentz and Peterson, I mean, Peterson was pro- – I hate to put too much emphasis on preseason, but we didn't see many glitches in preseason either with Doug Peterson, number one. And he was he's operating with a lot of moving parts, one of them being Chase Daniel. But well, relatively moving. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you you know you you look at what they had as a as a whole today, and it's kind of what we thought they were going to have. Their defensive line was excellent. Their linebackers were pretty good. Their defensive backs were hot and cold. Their quarterback, I think, exceeded expectations, but not their expectations. Their running backs were pretty good, and their offensive line looks like it could be real. I mean, this could be a six to eight win team without stretching. It could be a four to six win team. You know, Lane Johnson ultimately does get suspended, the right tackle, and that hurts the offensive line all the way through, and that hurts the whole team. But it's very rare that you finish the first game of a of a football season. You're like, hey, uh, kind of. That's kind of yeah, what we thought we had when you're rebuilding a team. That's why it's nice to play the Browns the first 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 game. It's like a fifth preseason game. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was the question: Could the Browns beat the Sixers? Or Kentucky. In what? Or Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky. Yeah, right. I was going to say the uh, the one thing – you mentioned the linebackers. Um, the one thing that stood out to me was um, Michael Kendricks not having his day of days. No. Um, he, he was bad. Boy, he was bad. And yeah. I'm not sure how much he played in the second half. Yeah. Um, there was one play early in the game where he was the last guy – the Browns were lining up for a punt, and he was the last guy out, you know, to the Eagles special teams mm-hmm. unit, the punt coverage unit. I think it was a punt coverage unit. It was just kind of like – that there's the em- there's the emblem of everything we've seen over the last three or four. I like weeks. to call. That's I like- where my dark cloud is. I mean, I, you know, we talked before the beginning of this season about oh, the defense is going to have to bail the offense out, right? Now again, we know it's the Browns and everything, but today I would make the argument if somebody bailed somebody out, it was the offense mm-hmm. bailing the defense. They got that vaunted front line that was going to be until. Until they were beat up at the until the game was at the end and they had all that freshness and the offense was so discouraged, they didn't not really make those kind of plays that we were we weren't see, hearing Vinny Curry a lot. We had one great Fletcher Cox moment, but that was not what I expected going in. Yeah, I, I thought that they, I thought that they, and again later on, I like you said, I think they they played well in the fourth quarter when they when they really when it came to the shutdown time, I think they played well. But there was some time. I mean, Robert Griffin had some time to throw on. on and he had open guys who dropped the ball. He had open guys who he just missed. He did have some drops, but I got to say, I mean, if this team has a strength, it's its defensive line. They max protected a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of the guys. I mean, it was dis- it was disturbing. If you're an Eagles fan, it was disturbing to see so many guys be so open so often yeah. on a receiving core that isn't exactly pedigreed. But the defensive line was stopped because that's what they they scripted to do, and they scored ten points. Mm-hmm. You know, and they scored. You know, they scored. Uh, I think both of their drives were kind of 
blown coverage bombs where the ball's kind of ballooned up in the air and you either make that play or you don't. And I, I, I didn't really have a – I mean, 10 points is – it's hard to argue with, it, it, whether it's uh, – you know, it's just, it's, Weber State or Weber State or whatever it is. But it, that's the thing is it's almost like trying to project a preseason game onto the regular season. Yeah. This team is so bad. It's, like, hard right. to even know what right. – because, again, I saw enough – and I kept on thinking, what would this look like against a real defense? You know, I think that that – I think that there were, there's a ton to be excited about for the future with regards to Carson Wentz, but I think that there there's he's going to have some real struggles at some point this season. You know, and, and yeah, that's obvious. But let's go back to Kendrick's. Because I call this guy the human highlight reel because he's in everyone else's highlights, flailing, stumbling, stumbling in the background as a running back turns the ball upfield. Like on that, uh, there were a few of those on the touch on the Browns one (laughs) touchdown. It was like the Kendricks moment where you know you see the guy break contain, get in, and then you see Kendricks barrel rolling, you know, (laughs) grasping at his feet in the background. And Jim Schwartz just must go absolutely. Crazy. I thought Nigel Bradham played well. Today. I did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they wouldn't have, look. They wouldn't have brought Stephen Tulloch in mm-hmm. if but, if not for Michael Kendricks. I mean, it, you right, know, yeah. I mean, Schwartz had a chance to bring in his own guys early in his tenure, and he brought in Ron Brooks, and he brought in well played. You know, I thought all Leotis of his McKelvin, guys, you know, acquitted themselves really he well. Did, he had a chance to bring in Tulloch in the first wave of Jim Schwartz guys, and he didn't. It was right. only a latent training camp. It was like, oh wait a minute, I got to get Stephen on the phone here because. But was uh, that a dollar like, thing? I didn't know if that was a dollar thing. Or, I think. It, or, I, or I mean, I think that Tulloch had a number he would play yeah. at. Yeah, and the that Eagles, he was holding yeah. out for in the spring and didn't get, so he signed for whatever he got. But so, so the interesting thing to me, they ran a lot of read option early in the game, and you thought that they were setting setting it up for, for later. Yeah. I'm interested to see. You didn't see Carson Wentz running around a whole lot. No. Which no. was interesting to me, and I'm not. That was the one again, not concern, but it just was like kind of the one thing I noted. You know, I'm not sure. I, I may have overestimated his ability to run against NFL defenses. I think he like has I don't the- like he. He did not. When he was pressured, he did not escape that pressure. He's the kind of guy that's going to get you a first down straight ahead, better than Sam Bradford will. But I don't know why anybody thought he had edge speed. I mean, Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson are, and Cam Newton to that for that matter are spectacular after they'd be playing in the NFL if they didn't play quarterback Carson Wentz is a quarterback with pretty good mobility but I don't understand the uh, the uh, people falling in love with it and he was playing against linemen and linebackers at the one double-a level or FCS level that were just inferior athletes he wasn't turning the, the corner against you know Florida and LSU and yeah. Alabama and Auburn. You know, he was not he was not gassing these SEC guys. This is subtleties, I guess. But the one thing that I noticed or thought I noticed he was doing that was different for Bradford is the quickness of the play action. The quick the, the quickness of um, when he faked like he was going to run it or tucked it or he did give it. There was a quickness. In fact, one time I think that threw Sproles and him off, and that's mm-hmm. when they fumbled it. The speed of that exchange or fake exchange, to me, and this is just an eye test, looked different than Sam Does that mean running he, it more mechanically. Okay, so this was more fluid and quicker and more believable. Yes, exactly. Okay. The sales, I guess that's right. The sales mm. pitch was better. That, that, And again, that's a subtlety. Maybe it means nothing. Well, no, I think, I mean, when, when you saw Favre do things like that, when you see Rodgers do things like that, sometimes you see the cameraman 
lose get, lose, yeah. lose focus yeah. on the right person. Carson's a long way from that. We're watching the highlights of Eli Man. He's very good at it as well. I mean, I don't think you care whether Eli's going to run with the ball or not. But I just want to know how many fantasy points he got today. Because <laughs> I want to know what's up with Bob McAdoo's hair. <laughs> <laughs> He well, looks like an extra in, a, in like an Adam Sandler movie. Well, you know there are worse. There are worse things. You can ask Rob Schneider about that. But I mean, Wentz's uh, capacity to play quarterback fluidly with everything he does speaks to a guy who doesn't think he's playing quarterback. He's just playing football, and that's right. going to be his the thing he hangs his hat on. I think right. for his whole career, and it's going to be one of the reasons he's fun to watch. And Philadelphians are pretty. They're pretty savvy football fans and sometimes they don't know what they're watching but they know it's good or bad mm-hmm. and they are going to love this guy the way that they loved Iverson who played naturally the way that they love Giroux who plays naturally they, they like people there's, who aren't mechanical who aren't Frankenstein athletes there's a chance that they'll love this coach for that too I thought that was really interesting Jordan Matthews yeah uh, I was gonna say the same thing yeah, that, that he said this guy gets us and he gets yeah, what so we'll set like it up Jordan Matthews uh Jordan Matthews met with the media at the podium. And Jordan right. Matthews is like, he's a very human expre- quote machine. He's a very expressive talker. Yeah, yeah. He's a, and he's right. chronically, chronically honest to his own yeah. detriment sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's like every, 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 every uh, press conference is like a uh, deaf poetry jam with him. Like he's just like, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. lets he like lets lets it all out. He lets it bleed. It's but anyway, someone asked, um, I forget what it was. I think it was me asking because I was working on Peterson. I was right. asking him about Peterson, and he said he, he called him a blood brother. Yeah, he said you know he's got uh, he's got credibility in this room because a he was in this room. He was one of us at one time. He knows you know. He's, Jordan said the city of Philadelphia is like no other place in in the sports world and being an eagle player in the city of philadelphia is like no other athlete in philadelphia he separate, he did two degrees of separation and he said and doug gets that and and you know we he doesn't even say things to us right now sometimes because we know already how much he kno- like he knows what All right, we're so here's feeling. here's the full quote um it was it was more like a monologue but <laughs> <laughs> He said, uh, like I said, the best thing about Coach Peterson is just his authenticity. He's played the game, and not only has he played the game, but he's been in our shoes. And when I say our shoes, he's played in the city of Philadelphia. And around this point, I start thinking about Chip Kelly, you know. Oh, he he and Zach Ertz made very salient comments about Chip Kelly without ever saying And Matthew says, and when I say our shoes, he's played in the city of Philadelphia. Playing in the city of Philadelphia, it's not like any other sports state city, I believe he meant. Mm -hmm. When they're playing football here, it maximizes that much more. So he's been in those trenches before. When I see him, it's not even as much as I see a coach. It's like, yo, Pops, I got you. <laughs> That's a blood brother right there. A, no different from those guys in the locker room. Some te- sometimes Coach Peterson doesn't even have to say much. We already feel that family vibe from him, so we just really want to go out there and win for him. I feel like that's his best off asset, yada, yada, yada. Right, right, right. And then Zach Ertz said, you know, uh, I kind of caught him saying, he said, you know, when, I forget how he said it, but if when, when you have the ball all the time, you can impel, you can compel your will or put your will on the yeah and then so I waited kind of out for the whole scrum and I said you know that kind of that's not the way it worked previously and he said well yeah no that what he thought you could do was was out condition somebody he right. goes here we're you know, that's when he said here we're trying to punch him in the nose and, and he said guys love this that yeah was the way he finished the quote which I thought was like him saying we like it to do it this way oh, better yeah. than yeah yeah yeah, the one thing that I thought got under, we, we haven't talked about quite as much, and it's it's 
not necessarily supported by the stats because the Eagles officially committed seven penalties, but I feel like two or three of them came kind of in a flurry of false starts there. They were very competent today. Like, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Like, compared to the last couple years of Andy and really the three or four years of Chip, the three years of Chip, where they could get really ragged Mm -hmm. just in everything they Mm. did. It seemed like, you know, that pace that they wanted to play at would lead inevitably to, like, just a – a, a deterioration of fundamentals Always. and things like that. And, and good players doing it. That's yeah. what jumped out at you. Yeah, you know, just Lane the holding Johnson, penalty when Jason you didn't Peters, want it. Yeah. There wasn't that today, or at least yeah. it didn't feel that way. Like I said, they, they officially hit seven penalties, but and, and, Lane, and John, the, Lane Johnson looked like he was getting a B sample before uh, several <laughs> pass plays there because it looked like he was false starting for like half I know, a dozen I, in a row. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand false starts and they give these and they've been giving these left tackles and right tackles more and more lead time like before they call it yeah and but today there was there was at least one where johnson was back in his half second before the defensive end it started moving forward i think this was a relaxed crew despite the numbers because the guys were putting their hands all over each other in the secondary and even the one call that that malcolm jenkins got that was excruciating at the time that was awful call yeah Yeah, it was was an awful call but but there were more there was way more ones that should have been called that weren't that's one that shouldn't have been called yes anyway to to, to kind of tie a bone on this to tie a bow on this i say this not i I say this not to be you know know, the black cloud (laughs) and i say it not as if I'm predicting doom for Carson Wentz, but I don't know how much we learned about Carson Wentz today that we didn't already know because of his opponent. Like I think, like Cleveland looked like it was playing a preseason defense at times. Right. You know, like I, I'm interested to see what this guy looks like against more competent defenses. Like I don't know if we've, I don't know how much we've seen in his ability to go through his progressions on the run in that short right. period of time that you need to do as a quarterback. But, but everything that we did see. That he could have shown us, I feel like he he. And the did. silver lining to that is, we we may Carson Wentz may have learned more today than we did about Carson Wentz, and Doug Peterson may have learned not not like it's oh all good learning, but oh okay he's this he, we're gonna have to work on this oh he's pretty good at this already you know you can you can see it in training camp and and try it out and but you, you saw it. Albeit against Cleveland again, but you saw it against a, a team, a real team trying to win a game for real today at in front of a real crowd, you know. So there was a bit of a test run there today. Yeah, and I mean, to Murph's point, the thing is now the the rest of the NFL has seen that too, and now it's not just right. twenty four passes against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers third stringers. It is a whole game's worth of play calls. It is the Chicago Bears now sitting and looking at this and saying, okay, what did the kid do here against this coverage? You know, what did he see or not see on this thing? There's some, mm-hmm. there's something to go on now. And mm-hmm. so it gets a little bit, which is, again, to kind of bring us full circle, that was what was so surprising to me about the tenor in the locker room. Aside from Malcolm Jenkins, there, Malcolm Jenkins. There well, was what did Malcolm Mal- Jenkins say? He basically said, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I was there. Like, he was on the Saints team. Um that played against RG3 in RG3's debut and who and when he tore them to shreds. And he basically said, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I was there that day, a rookie quarterback tore us up too, and look at what's happened since then. Um, but everybody else was kind of like, yes, yeah, you know, we expect to be better, and, and that's fine. I get that they're saying what they need to say or think they should say, but it ain't going to be this easy, and it ain't right. going to be this crisp. Well, 
to, to and it's great that it's Chicago because you can ju- talk about walking right into it. Eight thirty Monday night on the road. We don't know what he does when when the crowd is not being quiet for him and and right. he's doing is you know what happens on the road at night Monday night with you know I mean the entire country right watching. against a, we presume a better team. Uh well. Eagles have a hell of a schedule to open up this they season because really Chicago is really, really bad. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Defensively, you think at least. they're? I, yeah, I saw some of them today. Do you think they're worse though than Cleveland? I mean, oh, I no, can't no, imagine. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. I but think they, they but get they get. It's kind of a ladder. They get little grade right. ups each each week. In fact, I I would be I, I'm interested to see. I, I think if this defense plays the way it did today against the Bears, they're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the Bears have a decent, decent offensive line at least. I mean, compared to right. you know, comparatively speaking. You know, Jay Cutler can make throws that – I mean, RG3 looked like he hadn't thrown a ball in – He missed people all day, oh, too. Yeah. We talk about the drops. Even the, he even also the, missed people. Even the catches. I yeah. mean, yeah. I've never seen – you know, I shouldn't say never, but it's hard for me to think of a guy who I thought was going to be so good and looks now so bad. You know, normally they go like kind yeah. of on a slow roll downward or slow climb upward, but this guy's just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was not – he bailed the Eagles out. A few he times. did. He absolutely did. Um, so we'll see. I mean, but when, I, I think it's a great. I think you could not have designed. I think you could not have drawn it up any better for for how Wentz would open. Yes, he gets two really bad defenses. One, one atrocious defense. One pretty bad defense. Mm. And then you know you build into an early buy, and and then you know you kind of get to catch your breath and reevaluate things. I mm-hmm. mean, I think this is. About as good you can as as, yeah, as you I, can design it for a rookie quarterback like, that yeah. you're trying to wean in. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, to me, it's always the most curious part of like I've I've believed for a few years now that one of the great advantages uh, an NFL team can have is if you hire a competent, if you hire a new head coach and the guy is reasonably competent right away, you can get some wins. I feel like out of unfamiliarity, mm-hmm. like that certainly happened with Chip early on. Like, right. y- Yeah, they got off to a one and three start. But again, remember that first half against the Redskins, and it was like you know that the the first two thirds of that season, it was like holy cow, what are they trying to do? You know, I'll go back to Rex Ryan with the Jets. Like it ta- it took a few weeks for everybody to figure out, okay, they're really never going to throw the ball with Mark Sanchez. They're just going to pound us. They're going to try to pound you into submission and lean on that defense. The Falcons last season were six and two with Dan Quinn, and everybody's thinking like, there's a playoff team. They're going to be the number one seed in the NFC, and then. People started to figure it out, and maybe Dan Quinn isn't a genius. So, you know, there's the Eagles get a little bit of a grace period, I feel like, here. Right. If Doug can just be a good, competent head coach for a while, it's going to take right. their opponents yeah. a few weeks maybe to figure him out. Yeah, I, I, I think this is these days with 16 games, the preseason – is the actual preseason. I don't know what you would call the preseason if I'm calling this the actual preseason. <laughs> but it's like you can survive. A lot of teams do two and three and three and two starts and still have a really well, nice run at the end. It's th- This is the time where teams, e- even Be- Belichick every yeah. year, it seems like he's trying to figure out his team well, he for said, about and six he, games. He's actually said it explicitly. Yeah. You, I don't think you know your football team until October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. I think it, yeah. the, the trajectory of the season's Bear that out. I mean, Seattle looked awful at the start yeah. of last Which season. Which really makes Chip look bad. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that's when it always went south on it. That's right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about that yeah. last year. I mean, we were having we had questions. You know, I think we were all in Atlanta for that opener. You know, even then, in like the first half of that game, it was like, 
oh my God, the Falcons know what's coming. They know what's coming. Like DeMarco Murray's getting the ball shoved in his belly, and there's three defenders standing right in front of him, right. waiting for him. Right. And it was only in the second half when you know Chip basically said, okay, Sam, throw seven yards to Zach Ertz on every single play that they started to make some hay. And even then we thought, well, okay, they played well in the second half. They'll figure it out. And then they never did. So I, I think there's a lot of truth to what you Belichick You go back to his, Chip's first season. Yeah. Special teams gave him wins. Right. Here, Peterson's and first season. And they season, played eight backup quarterbacks in a row that yeah. year. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. That's right. Scott Which they'll get again this year right there. I was looking at that schedule. They're not going to get a whole lot of thoroughbreds no. on this game. Hey, interesting tidbit. The, 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 the quintessential Chip like Kelly tidbits. game. Uh, Nick Foles throws seven touchdown passes, ties the NFL record. Who was the opposing quarterback that day? Was it RG3? Terrell Pryor, who was the uh, wide receiver who? for the Browns right. today. Looks like he could be something. He, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't drop any more balls than the regular he's, receivers right. did today. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, man. He's got a great frame. Yeah, yeah. You I was said very that impressed with it. You said like, he even looks like a receiver. I was very. He was the only player on the Browns that looks like an NFL player yeah. just about. You <laughs> yeah, know? That, it's amazing. Like, they okay, look I'd like be kind of happy for him, too, after everything. Their new yeah. uniforms look like Bowling Green, and they actually kind of resemble Bowling Green from a personnel standpoint. <laughs> anyway, I'm very. I was very excited last. I, I've looked. For, I was looking forward to today's Eagles game more than any Eagles game uh, yeah. I can remember. It's like opening and present that you don't know what's in. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, again, I you know, I love. I've I've only known that I've loved Doug Peterson's hair. Now I love the way he coaches. I think <laughs> could, like there's an NFL team back in town, you know, yeah, and yeah. I think that it's going to be an, it's going to be fascinating to watch Wentz and Peterson kind of. Y- your develop. next column needs to be. Why Doug Peterson needs to go visorless because he needs to let the hair out. <laughs> Absolutely, man. But he is Richard. I mean, G- Richard Gere wouldn't wear a visor. Like if, you were, <laughs> if you were designing a coach to be everything that Chip Kelly is not, oh God, it's Doug. The, it's an it amazing is. that you could find a guy that quickly that you know one after. Well, there another was. Like I don't know that. if you guys saw. It might have been Bleeding Green Nation. It was somebody who got their hands on the questionnaires that the NFL sends out to its head coaches <laughs> at the beginning of every season to try to get a sense of who they are as people. I don't know if they're going to turn them over to the networks for, you know, primetime games or something like that. And I forget what the site was, but they got their hands on Chips and Dugs, and they were literally the exact opposite answers. Like if one of them said he liked chocolate ice cream, the other one said <laughs> vanilla. If the other one, you know, if one of them said, um, you know, my, my favorite actor is Jack Nicholson, the other one said like Martin Short. Like it was just so opposite in every way. It was incredible. <laughs> is that the spec? Is it the Short Nicholson spectrum? Is I that- don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think of two actors who were pretty opposite. Pretty opposite. You know. Um, How you know, about? It was, it was striking. Yeah. All right. So. Well, anyway, I enjoyed, uh, I'm, I'm glad we knocked this out. Yeah. Hopefully people, will, hopefully people will listen. This would be fun to do. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here, Sam. I'm, Sam, I'm, thanks for I'm doing very this. Very thankful that I was invited to do this. You're always invited. You're always this, invited. Open, in, Black open invitation. Party. <laughs> <laughs> the, what, what, you got it, Mr. Bernstein. <laughs> Forrest Gump. Sorry for ruining your Black yeah. Party. But Black, <laughs> Black Panther, Panther Party. party. <laughs> it's it's some kind of party. All right. We'll see you next week. Hey, folks. Before you move on to whatever other podcasts you listen to, one last thing. Holman Cadillac and Mount Laurel sponsors not another Philly sports talk show. Cadillac is the standard for American luxury cars, and Holman Cadillac and Mount Laurel, New Jersey, is the standard for a luxury car buying experience. See Holman Cadillac's extensive selection of new and Cadillac-certified pre-owned vehicles with over 400 on the ground and more coming in to choose from. Go to HolmanCadillac.com or call 866-865-6973.